Hello, sinners, saints, and sisters. I know that I said that it was the end of the season, but I couldn't stay away because there's a project that I care a lot about. It's called The Shift, and there are some really fun announcements. There are some important dates regarding this project. Um, You might remember Brock Heasley from last season. You should go back and catch that episode if you missed it. But Brock is back. He is the writer and director of Angel Studios' first feature film. And it's the same studio that brings us The Chosen. I know. And he's back with one of the producers of the movie. His name's Justin Overland. And the best part of this episode, why I want to get it out to you quickly, is that you have an opportunity to make history with Angel Studios. This is their first feature film, like I said, and you get to be a part of it. So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation about Christian art and chasing dreams and saying yes to a God who can never, ever, ever be outdone in generosity. Hello, you two. I am joined today by Brock Heasley and Justin Overlander. Brock is the writer and director, and Justin is the producer um, of this very exciting new Christian feature film called The Shift. And I am so excited to have you two here. Listeners, you probably remember Brock Heasley from last season, one of my very favorite episodes. Go back and listen. It's season seven, episode seven. And we talked about... um, All kinds of things. We talked about your book, The Other Side of Fear, which is a a spiritual memoir of sorts, uh, very impactful. Um, And we talked about how, even though we're really nice people, Christian art can sometimes make us cringe. (laughs) And um, you introduced your movie to us, um, probably most importantly in that conversation. And hopefully, listeners, you got on board by rooting for Brock and um, giving financially. Um, so this is a really important project. And you're back today for more deep conversation about creativity and art and purpose. And this time you have brought your producer, Justin Overlander. I'm so excited to get to know you more, Justin. Um I'm grateful for your yes. Welcome back, Brock. Welcome, Justin. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you so much, Allison. No, this is one one of my favorite interviews that I've done was Ugh. with you. I think we we got into stuff that no one has ever talked to me about before. And I was very happy to climb up on that soapbox. So if we're going back up, then then let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Justin, for being here and making time. Yeah, thanks for having me. And and one clarification in film business, rarely do you even use the word the in front of producer because there oh, are generally mm-hmm. several many. producers. Yes, so of course. I'm one of several yes. and want to be respectful of that. So not not the person in charge, one of the many that are bringing this project to life. Awesome. Well, I have just recently started following, following you online and that's a lot of fun. So um, I... Love starting out asking guests who and what they love as just a way to let our listeners know who you are and what's important to you. Brock, do you mind going first, um, telling us who and what you love? Yeah, um, I let's see. I am uh, married happily for twenty-two years now, um, which should be easy to remember since we were married in two thousand, and that makes it very simple. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, we have three daughters. Uh, uh, Our oldest uh, just recently uh, left the house, which which Mm. leaves us with a little bit of a hole. In our hearts, uh, as you can imagine, and and she wanted to get so far away from us that she moved to Paris, France, 
where she's going to school. Yeah, yeah. No, she she loves us, but she just uh, wants to study international marketing, and that's where the the, the good course is. So that's how exciting. Yeah, pretty exciting. And then, uh, yeah, and then we have another daughter, uh, Cami, who uh, has some special needs and is a senior in high school right now. Um, she's been incredibly impactful on our lives and, and who we are. And then our youngest is Violet, and she is um, she's eleven and in sixth grade. And um, I forgot my oldest daughter's name is Alora, and we named her after um, the baby from Willow because I'm oh, that wow. much of a yeah. nerd. So, uh, <laughs> but also because it's a really pretty name. But, yes, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so and I love what I love. I mean, obviously, I love. Um, I love my family. I I love the blessing of knowledge that we have and knowing what our purpose here on earth is. And that's a mm-hmm. short way of saying that I yeah. have love for for the Lord and 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 for my faith. But uh I always like to identify exactly what that gives me. And I, I think giving having that knowledge and, and having a purpose, knowing what the purpose is, is so essential to our relationship um with with god and 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 with our faith yeah well said thank you how about you justin well first i want to know if uh Elora would have been a boy was not mortigan on the table as a name <laughs> uh no i know i couldn't get that one past my wife but uh <laughs> she's maybe got her val. limits <laughs> maybe val <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 earning me some uh old nerd cred right 30 years Y'all, ago and i still i'm out of willow that. references okay <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it for me too uh yeah allison thanks so much for having yeah. us on and i mean it, it sounds tripe it almost sounds like it's it's rehearsed or like i'm supposed to say this on a faith podcast but i do love my family that's that's the biggest thing for me. And I know God is first, but let's be real. I would have a very, very difficult time if anything were to happen to my family. I don't have the faith of Abraham. I'm just going mm-hmm. to lay that out on the line. I'm not going to bring my child up a mountain, even if God tells me to. I'm going to fight him tooth and nail on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, does that make me a weak Christian? Perhaps. Perhaps it does. Yeah. But yeah, I have a 17-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old son, and a 10-year-old son. And I'm coaching my 13-year-old son's football team this year, which has proven to be quite the undertaking. But I am loving it so much, getting uh, to spend more quality time with him. But also just getting to know some of his peers and trying yeah. to be a positive right. influence to them. I, I focus less on wins and losses and more on just individual victories and character building team and uh, you know sportsmanship team building stuff like that so it's been a it's been a wonderful treat and and Brock's got me by a year on the marriage department but yeah 21 years and they every single one of those years has been marital bliss as anybody that has been married that long will tell you right no it's it's ups and downs and, and you <laughs> always find worth ways it to get, yeah you always find ways it. to get through the downs and and just recognize that those ups are going to be pretty spectacular if you can yeah. get through the downs. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. Well, I would love to spend the next hour talking to y'all about parenting. I have um <laughs> so I have a handful myself, um, some special needs and football players all thrown in there. So um, but that's not yeah. what we're here for. So um I I feel like um we we grow up guys with this idea that says you can be whatever you want to be 
What do you want to be? You, you, you can do that. Um, but I feel like at some point there's a certain amount of reality that sets in that um, where it's like, yes, I, I could, but eating is good too. You know, paying bills is is good too. And so I think that at some point in our life, it's like our passions and our practicality can start to wrestle a bit. Um, and there's this romantic part of me that so badly, that so badly wants to believe um, and that I still tell my kids that, yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Okay, well, here you two, y'all make movies. Okay. And that is no small thing. And I really doubt that either one of you take it for granted. So what's your take? What's your advice? I would love to know how y'all got to where y'all are professionally and um, how you got to daydream about making movies and then actually doing it. Boy, I, so, I tell you, I let, I'll let Brock take the lead on this one. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's a convoluted answer. There's no right or wrong. This is the greatest yeah. industry, I think, out there. Mm. And so everybody's path is going to be different. And yeah, I love hearing Brock's perspective on this. Uh, yeah, everybody's path is 100% different. So what I'm going to say is going to apply to absolutely no one, but I'll it <laughs> anyway. Um, so one of my, I'm actually going to start this differently. One of my favorite movies, Pixar movies. And one of the movies that I think is the most underrated is Monsters University. Hmm. And that movie, the message of that movie basically is this. Follow your dreams unless they're super inappropriate for who you are. Mm-hmm. which is not a message that you ever get in a kid's film. Usually it's, you know, go yeah. for your dreams. You can be whoever you want to be. Like you were just saying that movie says, no, you can't, <laughs> you might not be built for what you are dreaming of and you may so need good. to pivot to yeah. something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a valuable lesson. And the truth of the matter is, is that I am a filmmaker right now because my first dream didn't work out mm-hmm. because what I wanted to be, was not who I could be, was not mm. what I was capable of doing. Well, I, I dreamed as a kid, um, well, after I stopped dreaming of being a banker and a lawyer, which was an early childhood thing that I don't know where that came from. But okay. once I got that out of my system, I for, for, for a couple of decades, my dream was to be a comic book illustrator. Right. Uh-huh. Like that's what I wanted to be. And that's everything I put all my energy into. That. I was a kid at the back of the classroom, was always drawing, 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 drawing. And, um, you know, long story short, I got to a point in my late 20s where I realized, hey, guess what? It is never going to happen for me. Um, I am just I am talented enough to make people Mm. go, wow, but I am not talented enough. And nor do I want to sacrifice enough um, to to have that career that is that is inappropriate for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had to pivot. Um, and I realized that what I really loved about comic books was, was the storytelling. And so I pivoted to writing and that eventually led me into, into, um, into filmmaking. Um, you know, and, and in in looking back now, I see it all as part of the same thing. I've just always been a storyteller one way or another. Mm -hmm. I just for a very long time thought that was in a, a purely visual medium. Um, and I've realized now that that no, my my big strength is is in telling stories verbally through direction yeah. and writing and script writing and and you know and so when pe- people sometimes they'll say to me like oh you're just you're living the you're living your dream like and it's like no I'm not <laughs> at all my dream I tossed that aside a long time ago this is this is something better than that this is better than my yeah. dream and I think there's a huge lesson in there because I think that's the refiner's fire that I've kind of been through. 
on, on, a, on a personal level, but I think that's not unlike the refiner's fire that, that, that God has for us. You know, he will often say to us, Hey, this thing that you think you are and that you want to be, I have something way better planned for you, yeah. but I'm going to have to put you through hell a little bit in order to get you there because you really don't get that yet. And that is very much part of my journey as well. The transition from leaving behind my dream and getting into this one. I mean, I did a kicking and screaming. I really did. And um, it was difficult and it was filled with years of just what in the world is going on and what is happening. And I don't understand. And God, have you abandoned me? And looking back now, I can see, no, he never abandoned me. He put me into what I'm doing now. The only way it was ever going to happen. Mm. And that was with me kicking and screaming. Yeah. So here I am. And I'm you happy know, to be like, here. I'm not reluctant at all. Yeah, no, right. I mean, God's best. It, I feel like we're always kind of trying to tell God about what he made. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yep. can, I, can I tell you about what I made? <laughs> you know, it's like we flip through this catalog of gifts and like, you know, point out these things that we want that, you know, have very little to do with us. He's like, could you just be quiet? Anyways, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying about, you know, our la- or, um our paths being completely different. But I do think that there is so much to gain from watching each other live our lives. Um, so even though that's very unique to you, I, th- I think, you know, that's applicable to everyone. What about you, Justin? Yeah, I think we've gotten to a place and we've been here for a while now where we put so much emphasis on, well, what do you do? That's one of the first icebreaker questions that you ask when you meet somebody new. Oh, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then that leads to, in Minnesota here, it leads to the weather or the Vikings or the twins. Those are the next three subjects after, well, what do uh-huh. you do? Right. And I, I don't know that God is overly concerned about our vocation or our job, where we clock in, where we clock out. He's just concerned with how we present ourselves and how we portray his message when we're doing whatever we're doing. Yes. Some of us are blessed with certain creative abilities that that maybe some other people don't have that that particular spiritual gift. Brock is one that definitely has the storytelling gift and I'm so honored to to know him and to be able to partner up with him on on the shift. And I believe that I've got some storytelling capabilities as well. And when I realized I wasn't going to be a professional football player, which actually was my yeah. uh, my dream. I mean, seventh, eighth, ninth yeah. grade, even in high school. I mean, yeah. I was a pretty decent ball player. got yep. a little bit of attention from some small schools, but mm-hmm. I just didn't grow. I mean, six yeah. foot nothing, 180. I mean, that mm-hmm. doesn't get you NFL um, pedigree. So I, I always loved acting and I thought, well, I'm just going to go the acting route and ended up majoring in theater in college for a hot minute until my dad said, well, what's your fallback going to be? I said, thanks. Thanks, dad. Yeah. And uh, ended up just getting a teaching degree. And I, I don't mean not flippantly just getting a teaching degree, but I, I went into education and decided that I was going to coach um, you know, football and basketball and, and pursue the the athletic uh, avenue in that way. But I was always moonlighting as an actor still, doing commercials here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. It's a small market. And some you know, independent movies would come through and I'd do industrials like Best Buy training videos. I would be mm-hmm. a Best Buy employee. So Best Buy employees would learn what not to do by watching my you know, goofy face doing the wrong things. But in a small market, you have to teach yourself to do more than just act. You can't sustain yourself. And we've got a great theater market here. I mean, the Guthrie Theater is world-renowned. We've got the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, where Amy Adams came through, and a number of other, you know, well-known, uh, you know, famous movie movie actors. Uh, movie actors. That was a weird uh, 
uh, phrase. I was going to say movie stars, but I, I, I really don't like that term at all. So, uh, you know, people that you would recognize if you saw them walking down yeah. the street is what I was getting at. But theater was never my calling. I, I need the safety blanket of, okay, let's do that one more time because mm. I want to try it a little different yeah. way. Right, right, but right. But anyway, te- teaching myself how to write, how to direct, uh, taught myself how to produce. You know, there's, there's tons of resources out there, even now more today than there were 20 years ago when I was really giving myself the self-education. And trial by fire. I mean, there's no, if you want to be in the film industry, there is nothing stopping you from making content right now. Almost everybody has a smartphone. If they don't right. have a smartphone, you can get a $100 HD camcorder off of Amazon. You can start making content. There's free editing software. You can upload it to YouTube. It doesn't matter if you only get 10 views, you're still creating something and you're figuring out what's your voice. What what is what is the process? So if there are young filmmakers listening to this, that's my biggest advice. I know this maybe isn't an advice platform, but just go and do it. Nobody yeah. can stop you from creating. Yeah. So create something and find your voice. And that's that's kind of what I did early on. And most of my voice early on was terrible. And <laughs> it was only through meeting Dallas Jenkins that I even got a chance to do anything. Dallas created a show called The Chosen which is the first ever show about Jesus and his disciples. And it's making good waves within faith circles yeah. and allows me the opportunity to have conversations with people that six, seven years ago, I wouldn't have been able to have. So yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's a long winded answer for you, Allison. Thank but, you. Uh, it comes from the heart. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I agree with you that I, I don't think God cares very much about the details, but I do think that how he has gifted us is how we're going to love the best. You know, it's just what makes it, it's what makes loving the people around us most sustainable because we're, you know, we're doing this thing that he's gifted us to do. Um, Yeah. And and on that note, Allison, really briefly, when Jesus called the disciples, it's not like he told Simon and Andrew, Hey, okay, you guys can't be fishermen anymore. That's not the right vocation for being a disciple of me. Now you got to go and do this. You got to be pastors. They were still fishermen when they were disciples. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's the thing. God doesn't yeah. necessarily need to change what you're doing for the greater good of the yeah. world, you know, vocationally. I mean, your, your husband's a physician, right? I mean, that is a very important role within yeah. the world. And, yeah. and so he doesn't need to leave that to be in full-time ministry. He can do, I don't know, I'm rambling now, but it, I, I No, it's really good. It's like, just about, go be a yeah. really good one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so Justin, this next question is is, is for you first. So um, what happened is I was strolling Instagram and there was this actor who was giving a really hilarious monologue um, about what a shame it is that Christian art can be lame, right? And um, I had never heard anyone put it so plainly before because we're all trying to be so nice, you know? And it's like, and technically, I mean, we're on the same team. And so it's like, I just have to go along with what can sometimes be an embarrassing performance. And so um, I found it so refreshing that someone was just calling it out. And so I, and, and you know what? I loved that it was funny and not some harsh rebuke. You know, um, it felt, it felt light. And so um, as the video was promoting what it was promoting, which was the shift, 
y'all's movie, I felt this great deal of hope that there there was something else kind of lining up on the menu. I was like, this is exciting. And so I started sending a bunch of emails. Brock trusted that the person on the other end of these emails was not woohoo. And he answered them and he came on the show. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so we got into this conversation about why. Why? We have the greatest story ever told. Why can't we tell it greatly? And so um, Brock was basically saying, I hope that I sum this up. Okay, Brock, please feel free to correct me. But but Brock was basically saying, you know, there's this great lack of, of ambiguity. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of nuance when the truth is our lives are full of of, of shades of gray. And you were saying that it's like a scene or a movie, it might feel a lot of urgency to go ahead and tidy things up really nice. You know, like um, they they won't let a, a character say, yell at his wife. Um, they won't let a character, you know, do something bad without trying to clean it up too quickly. And then I was explaining, I was agreeing rather, that um, because of that, there's no real experience to be had, you know, as a, as a viewer, um, I just I feel so manipulated by these really heavy handed messages that they insist that I only receive one way, you know, and um, you were you were, you know, kind of joking, Brock, but you but you were talking about how, you know, we can't leave anything complicated for too long. And then I was joking that it's like, yeah, we need this little ticker tape on the bottom, right, that says, hey, we're going to clean this up in just a second, just so you know. Um, and so I feel like those things go together. Right. It's like there's a spirit of fear. There's fear. There's a, there's a lack of trust. There there's there's something very important being cut out of of the whole process. And Justin, I would just love your take on that segment of of our conversation. You you nailed the word that I was going to lead with. It's that four letter F word. Fear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? And I think in just our, our missional work. We are called to be fishers of men. We are called to bring people to the faith. We are called to share the good news, but we are called to share it in love. And when we rearrange love and fear and we go out there and we say, mm. here's the good news of Jesus, you've got to repent or else you've got to do that. You can't promote that. You can't do this. You can't do that. We're losing the 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 focus of it being good news. I mean, this is yeah. the greatest wow, news great. the world could ever have is eternal life to live yeah. in in perfection with our Lord and Savior. That is good news. So why are we leading with fear and and just oh well that political party they're going to do this to us? Oh now all our freedom of religion it's going to be taken away. This all that is going to happen and it just it drives me crazy and that trickles into the faith film world where oh if you put that slight nuance out there somebody might run with that and get the wrong impression don't you think or you know some people put here here okay soapbox brock uh, you know warned you maybe that i take soapboxes <laughs> too or he admitted to, to taking a few People put their flag in one particular space in the Bible. Yeah. This is my life verse, and I'm going to put my flag here. I'm going to ignore all that other stuff. I'm going to ignore compassionate Jesus, and I'm going to focus on let's stir up the water, Jesus. Let's be let's make some trouble, Jesus. Let's. I've got to teach these people that they're wrong. No, you've got to love those people. And guess what? If they are wrong. They will discover it on their own once they are entrenched in the word. I fully believe that. And so 
with faith film, there's this fear that you're going to send the wrong message and portraying something on screen. Here's, here's a fine distinction too. portraying a sinful act on screen doesn't mean you're promoting it. Portraying yeah. it is simply acknowledging this is yeah. real life. This is the world. And people relate to that. People relate to junk, to garbage, to bad things. Right. We have to have the, the courage to show some of the bad stuff. I feel like the thing with fear is that um, I, I feel like we're always having to say, you, you touched on this a little bit. It's like we're always having to say we are this and we are not that. You know, and it's like we have to we're always separating things into good and bad, you know, the the sheep and the goats and the wheat and the chaff and all, and all that jazz. And, and the problem with that is that we can make it too explicit. You know, it's like we won't just let people decide. God lets people decide, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, Brock, yeah, do you have you anything? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say free will exists. Who are we to try to take it away? That's mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. of the most crazy things that, that Christians try to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, we got it. We get, we need to spend more time trusting people, trusting people to get it. And that if they don't get it at first, then maybe they will later. And if they don't get it at all, then that thing isn't for them. And that's got to be okay to a certain extent. When you, when you're trying to please everybody and 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 create all of these safety nets you end up with something that nobody cares about and i feel like that's where a lot of faith content has landed where they just they're landed in this spot where you know it's like we're not offending anyone yeah but you're not attracting anyone either <laughs> yeah, you know which isn't well to say said. that we should make things to offend people that's not that's not the point i don't believe in this idea of you know making trouble in order to get views or whatever that the, the logic there is I'm only saying that there is an integrity that can happen with our storytelling and with our art that can be attractive to people. And that to a certain degree, yes, you have to risk that not everybody is going to understand yeah. it. But the thing is, is that if you're making sure that, you know, your 75 year old grandma who, you know, will only read the Bible and, and no magazines and no other book, if you're trying to make sure that she's going to be happy, well, then you have to accept that there's a whole lot of other people that you're never going to get. To, to, to watch this thing that will right. never be exposed to it. And maybe what you have something, maybe what you have to say is really, really important. And maybe your grandma with her Bible out, maybe she's covered. Maybe she's got it, you know, and maybe she doesn't really need this, this story that you're telling or this movie, but maybe there's a whole lot of other people who, if you would just be honest with it and just not be fearful in the way you create it, maybe there's all these other people who really do need it and maybe, yeah. and maybe they'll come and, and maybe they'll watch it. And I, and I think that's the perspective shift that needs to happen with a lot of people. And look, ultimately, as a storyteller, I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to make myself happy. You know, if I can make myself happy, um, that's really the most important thing. Because if I don't make myself happy, then I'm just going to relive all my mistakes for the next, you know, 60 years. And, um, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, I'm trying to make sure that this is something that I enjoy with the idea that if I enjoy it and I appreciate it and I like it, than others will too. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm very comfortable with ambiguity. I, faith to me has ambiguity embedded into it. I mean, the faith, faith is about not knowing, isn't it? It's about not having proof. It's about all the things we don't know and saying, I believe anyway. Well, what is that if not ambiguity? There is so much that God has not revealed to us that he, he could, 
he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He could appear. He has appeared. He would tell us if he wanted us to know all things. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he? Because he wants us to dwell in the mystery. And there's too many works of art, movies, whatever, otherwise, um, that, that come from a faith perspective that try to get rid of the mystery. Well, in getting rid of the mystery, in my opinion, you're also getting rid of God. You're, you're making it so that something is less honest and less truthful. And what in the world do we have if we don't have the truth? Yeah, it's really good. You know, there's this, um, so I'm, I'm a yoga instructor and yoga lends itself to a lot of silence. And I have ideas about how I want people to feel in my class and what I, how, you know, what I would like them to experience. And so the great temptation is to fill up that silence so that I can ensure that they, you know, get a certain message or, or feel a certain way. And there's a certain degree of trust in the silence of letting a Holy Spirit move, you know, trusting a Holy Spirit. And if, if comfort is our love language, I would say that, that the roses of that love language is, is um, certainty. You know, and so so we can control mm -hmm. something if we can feel certain. And I think the byproduct of, of that certainty is is a certain smugness or I just feel like it makes us mean. And there's something about, yeah. you know, this open handedness that invites mystery that um, makes us curious and humble. And I, just a million times over, I would choose that every day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Even though it is scary or, you know, unknown. Totally. Well, and it allows you to have your own experience with it. When something is mysterious, I dig into it, right? I I, I try to uncover what what is what is here? What what is a there lure. for me to investigate? Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lure there. And that means that 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 as a as a 20-year-old, I'm gonna have one experience with it. And as a 40-year-old, I'm gonna have a different experience with it because I'm gonna hit things at different points and there's enough to dig in there that I can discover it. Yeah. When you tell people exactly what it is that you mean, that's it. That's the end of it. There's nothing else for them to dig. They're not going to be able to revisit that later and come at it in a different way and, yeah. and, and find oh, new truths good. and new yeah. meanings from it. And, no and the fact is, is the scriptures are built this way. The scriptures are built this way. I don't know about you, but every single time I read, I get something different out of it. Yeah. Why is that? Because there's so much there to uncover and to dig. It's not... When, when Christ told his parables, only rarely did he ever say, hey, this is what I meant. You know, and so those parables are something that we still teach and still discuss to this day, that we still find new truths and new meanings because it wasn't just all spelled out. Yeah. And, and, and if he had spelled it all out, he would have robbed us of those additional meanings. He would have robbed us yeah, of those additional so applications because yeah. we would say, well, it can only mean this because this is what he said. So that's all that means. Well, no, he intended for us throughout the scriptures to to read things and 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 talk about Abraham and, and the sacrifice of Isaac in as a similitude of the sacrifice of of Christ but also um we can also look at the story of Abraham as what do we sacrifice we can apply that to our own lives you know and so there are multiple applications and 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 a lot of those applications are not just spelled out in the old yeah. testament it's very obvious to me as a believer what the story of Abraham is all about on multiple levels but the story of Abraham is just presented as the story of Abraham. Right. Um, and would it and be just, far more comfortable if Jesus were gently explaining himself over lunch? Of course it would. Sure. But he's not after sure. our comfort. No, he's so not. He's not. And, and he wants us to change and he wants us to grow. And if um, if our understanding of the word cannot change and grow, then then we won't be able to change and grow. And, and, and the understanding cannot change and grow if it is prohibited by a spoon fed. Here's what it means. Awesome. Um, anything to add to that, Justin, before we move on to 
exactly what the shift is and seeks to do? Well, no, no, just one thought that came to mind was the same. Uh, I don't want to use pastors as, as an umbrella term, but, you know, the same Christians, the same evangelists that are out there saying, hey, you just have to let go and trust God to work inside of you are the same ones that are saying, no, you've got to change the person yeah. in front of you. And that's, wow. that, that's a big irony to me is that we're told to let go and allow it to happen inside, but we get so adamant about changing the other people. And I think that's that we need to flip flop that a little bit, or at least just even them out a little bit. Yeah, wow. So, and, and to be clear, I don't disparage some of the, the faith content out there that may be a little, you know, spoon feeding of the audience. There's a place for that. I'm actually a fan of some of those those movies. Um, look, I, I own uh, every season of Saved by the Bell on DVD. So good, uh, you know, deep quality entertainment isn't always the, the forefront of what yeah. I'm desiring to consume. Sometimes I just want to, to feel good and, and to yeah. have something that, yeah. that's True. a little uh, easy to digest. But I think there's room for more. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. You know, that's what I think yeah. you know, Brock is, is wanting to do with the shift and what we're trying to do here. And, and even with the chosen, there's, there's room for all kinds of entertainment to reach all kinds of audiences. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Um, Okay, so y'all can decide who goes first. But uh, what, in addition to to what we're getting, what should Christian movies be saying about God? Maybe maybe we've covered that already. But but what is the shift saying? What do what do you want the shift to do? Tell me about the shift. Well, I don't want to tell you too much because I do want people to have their own experience with it. Obviously, <laughs> but um, but no, the, the shift is very much based on the Book of Job which, as I understand it, is not a well-covered section of the Bible when it comes to, to faith media. Um, but uh, And so, so if you look at the book of Job, when you look at the questions that it asks about, about God, you know, it asks questions about, you know, what, what is the purpose of suffering? You know, why does God allow suffering to occur? Particularly, why does he allow it to occur for people who are, you know, following him and being obedient? Why, why, would, a, why would a righteous man um, undergo suffering. Um, and so the shift is very much about that. It's, it's about why do we go through the things that we go through? What benefit do they have? And then of course, the other part of the shift, because the shift for those who don't know is very much about a man's encounter with, um, with who we're calling in, in the feature film, we're calling him the benefactor, but he's, it's very clear. He, he is essentially the devil. He's, he's Satan and, and he's there to, to tempt um, our, our, our main character, his name is Kevin. He's there to tempt him with riches and fame and whatever he would want. Um, and it's about how Kevin deals with that temptation and the struggle that comes from essentially what happens when you refuse the devil and, and the revenge that he will take on you if yeah. you do so. Um, and within that struggle, um, like Job, um, Kevin finds himself um, seemingly alone. And, 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 and wondering, you know, where is God in his trial? And, you know, and so it's about both things. It's about the tug of war that, that exists between us and, well, actually where we're in the middle and over here is God and over here is the adversary. And, and what do we do? How do we make sense of the experience of this life when we've got these two forces that are diametrically opposed to each other, both of them pulling on us? And how do we know which way to go what do we base that decision on? And ultimately, why in the world should we choose God? 
when over here we've got a guy who's offering a heck of a lot more comfort and attention yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and I think that's I think that's worth talking about. You know, it's worth it's worth asking those questions. And I think the shift has some answers. And then there's some things that the shift is a little bit silent on and, and allows people to have their own experience with true to true to what I've been talking about previously on this on this interview. Um, and I think that's important. I think it's important to both provide some sort of a of a thesis or a theme. Um, but then within that, there are there are some corners. There are some things to think about and some things to wonder about and some things to discuss afterwards. I don't know about you, but those are my favorite movies. You know, I got out of yeah. Inception and I was like talking about it for weeks, yeah, you know, right. And e even today, did the top fall over <laughs> at the end? I, you know, like you can go for hours with some people on that on that topic. Um, and that's what gets me the most excited about about the movies and, and and about the stories that I love. And so there's there's that element of the shift there as well. There really is a lot. I hope that there's a lot there to dig into for people. Yeah. Justin, what's the shift saying about God? Yeah. And I'm just exciting that, excited that it's not spoon feeding scripture or here's the way you're supposed to believe. Here's the way you're supposed to act. It's showing a, a very human person reacting to a, a fairly supernatural circumstance. And then we can, put ourselves in his shoes because we're similar to him. He's an every man. Would we react that same way? And those are the discussions that I hope people are having yeah. afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you literally, you can have whatever you want in this world. Just say the word and I'll do it for you. Do you, do you do that? It's tempting. This world feels like we're here for a long time, even though it's yeah. pretty short, all things considered, or do you resist that temptation uh in 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 favor of what's what's about to come you know the, the eternal life of jesus so yeah i i love the questions that it's posing and, and hopefully people will have discussions about that uh after seeing it yeah great um you know th this is important to me because um i am you know naturally optimistic and i don't think that glib arguments or complaints without solutions are, are, are very nice. So can we talk for a little bit about Christian art that we love? Can we talk for a little bit about who your inspirations are and what has influenced you that felt important? Absolutely. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, obviously, The Chosen. I mean, I think in terms of the Christian art that's being put out right now, I think The Chosen is yeah. right there at the very top. It's really showing a new way to do things. Um, the shift, uh, the inception of The Shift actually predates The Chosen. The, the short film that we have that's available at angel.com slash The Shift was, was, uh, was made before The Chosen um, came out. But once The Chosen came out, um, there was this light bulb that went on in my head. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there's maybe there's a space for this weird thing that I've created that only mm. I and my friends have ever seen, or I thought ever would see. Um, and, and, and so that's why we ended up putting it out into the world and, and, and why it is where it is now. Um, but, uh, but there's, but there's other great things going on in, in, in Christian media as well. And I, I think I automatically think of, of movies. I just, just a couple of nights ago, I watched father stew, um, which I yeah. thought was, was excellent. Um, a little, a little too much with, with the language for me. I'll, I'll admit I use the magic of VidAngel to, to take out all the F words, but, um, but at its core, it's such a fantastic story of faith and triumph. I didn't know Father Stu's story at all. I, I didn't know anything. And so it was a, it was quite an experience to, to go on that, on that journey with him. Um, I also recently saw, um, American Underdog. 
which um, mm -hmm. actually I'm going to out myself here. I'm not a sports fan, so I didn't know anything about Kurt Warner either, which is probably like, yeah. you know, blasphemous to most people <laughs> in, in the United States, but I really didn't. And so, um, so it was fascinating to see his story. That's, that's by the Irwin brothers and uh, uh, starring Zachary Levi. And um, you know, that movie takes a very light approach to mm -hmm. faith. It's, it's mm -hmm. very lightly touched on and, and there's a couple of moments of prayer, but there's, there's zero preaching in that movie. And, um, and for the most part, it's just very, it's just very much holding faith um, at an arm's length almost, yeah. um, which I think is actually kind of great. You know, I think, I think American underdog is one of those movies that is going to get in front of more people and they're going to see faith almost taken for granted. It's just part of these characters' lives, not even characters, these were real people, obviously. And it's just part of the fabric of their lives, not treating it as something odd or weird or to be laughed at, but also not treating it as something like extra special that everybody needs to strive for. Right. It just yeah. is. Yeah. And there's yeah. so much power in a representation that's that subtle. Um, and that's that just, you know, not on the nose. Um, and so, you know, I, those would be three things that, that I would point to that have been very successful just yeah. recently. Mm -hmm. How about you, Justin? Yeah. First of all, uh, I, I have a confession to make that I don't like that we separate faith films from mainstream films. I don't like that we have to categorize them as such. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just put them in their respective genres. If they happen to have faith elements in them, whether it's overt or, you know, kind of nuanced, so be it. And one of my all-time favorite movies is actually It's a Wonderful Life, which has some wonderful Christian values in it and, and great family values and, and just, uh, you know, kind of a coming-of-age story, as, as it were. And I'll even reference Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park from 1993, 92, something like that. One of the lines- I can't wait to hear made, this. Well, the, so no, there's a, there's a brilliant line Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by the great Jeff Goldblum, says, you know, scientists were so enamored with the fact that they could, they didn't st stop to think of whether they should. And I think that is such a brilliant line and, and such a, just something that, that more people need to reflect on nowadays, too. Yeah. And, cool. you know, there's, there's not much faith. Uh, you know, certainly not a Judeo-Christian faith. I mean, that was made by people that are primarily of the Jewish faith. So, uh, you know, Christ is not any part of Jurassic Park. But for me, that that spoke to me spiritually. Yeah. That line right there, and that evoked an emotion for me. And, and look, one of there's there's a song by Billy Joel, and Billy Joel certainly mm -hmm. doesn't strike you as as someone overly uh, faith uh faith in, in that realm especially with a song called only the good die young but his song <laughs> don't ask me why came into my head one night when i was praying so diligently for god to take away the desire to be in this film industry this was what 10 12 14 years ago whatever it was and i was struggling big time and had left teaching uh, not too long ago and we were struggling financially and I was looking for work and outside of the film world and kept just praying, don't, you know, why do I still have this desire? And I'm not kidding you. The song, don't ask me why I came into my head. Wow. And, and I, I think I even put something about that out on social media, which was still kind of fledgling at the time. And of course the pushback is, you know, of course. Oh, of course. that's, that's a secular song. There's nothing Christian about that. God's not speaking to you through a Billy Joel song. 
I don't know. I don't have the great gift of discernment. So if God wants to speak to me through something secular, and, and look, I'm listening, still working my way through the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. And God worked through individuals that may have had yes. impure motivation there. That's right. God finds a way to work through junk. You know, Brock and I both have have massive tragedies in our history. Brock talked about this a lot on the first podcast. I lost my youngest sister to a drunk driver when she was 18. And she was my very favorite person growing up. Like I thought the world of her. And in many ways, I was more apparent to her than my actual parents were Mm. at times. There's more to that story that I won't get into. But losing her ripped my world apart, completely ripped it apart. God didn't cause that, but through it, God has allowed me to strengthen myself, to become a better storyteller, to become more empathetic towards other people. So do I think God causes tragedies like that? No, but do I think he works through them? Yes, I absolutely do. Yes. What's her name? So I think he can also speak through a Billy Joel song. Yeah, I'll why not? Leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. If you can Blasphemer. speak through through great suffering, <laughs> why not, why not uh, you know, top 40 hit? Um, what was her name? Mackenzie, and I named my first production company after her, Kenzie oh. Productions. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So cool. I'm deeply sorry to hear that. Um, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, trying to find my own common denominators about the the things that I love, and it and 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 similarly, the things that make me not love something, like the same things that make me really love it, or the same things that make me really not love something. And the first is a good use of words. I just care about words. I love language. Um, the second one is an um, an authentic Jesus. Like if we're talking, you know, faith based stuff, it's it's an authentic Jesus um, that represents. Um, the rebellious kind friend, you know, that, that I've, I've come to worship. Um, and then, you know, the, I cannot think of the third thing, which is unfortunate. Um, oh, oh, um, an inclusivity. So it's an, it's an inclusivity. It's like, it's something that crosses lines and and breaks barriers. And so, you know, if I don't like something, you know, Christian in the Christian realm, it's always because it's using really sweet saccharine language. It's always because they've guessed about you know, what, what would make Jesus most appealing to the world and they've guessed wrong or whatever. And then, um, and then, you know, it's, it's something that says, Hey, you can be a part of this club. You know, it's that lack of inclusivity. You can, you can be a part of this club. If you, that's led by this God in a box, if you jump through, you know, all of these, all of these hoops. And so I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that the the same things that we love, you know, that their antithesis can always be the things that like, Oh, you know, rub us really, really wrong, which I inevitably find in Christian made stuff all the time. Um, okay. So I have a question for y'all about your processes, um, you know, about creativity. I think there's a lot there, you know, Brock, you, you touched on that when you are creating something, it is always an only, um, for you, and, and I think that that is so wise um, and probably maybe took you some time to get to because I think that it's really natural to create for the people that we want to be moved, right? You know, it's like um, mm-hmm. it can be really outcome based. Like I want people to like this. So I'm thinking of them as I'm creating it. And yet there's this paradoxical thing that says in order to reach other people, you have to shut them out. You know, and so how must Christian made things fall into that trap when we so badly, I mean, 
inevitably and maybe rightfully, like per the Great Commission, want to reach other people with this good news that we have. And so we can we can make this outcome based thing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of take all the wrong orders. What are what are your thoughts on on reaching people and your creative process? Well, it's not really just a just a Christian thing, is it? I mean, even even right. Hollywood makes this mistake when they're trying to create something that is going to have the broadest possible audience or or to satisfy, you know, oh, well, this this, you know, the hangover was successful. So let's let's get a bunch of guys on a drunken bender in New York, you know, and let's do a movie. I don't even know if that's that's a real movie. But, you know, like there's there's this idea of like, OK, well, let's make something that appeals to these people or to that people. And, you know, it's it's there's all kinds of different motivators for that. Um it's a struggle. It really is. Because at the same time, I, I can say, yeah, I make it for myself all I want. But the fact of the matter is, is that if I wasn't also making it for other people, I probably would never make it. It would just live in my head all the time. Yeah. Um, the act of creation is to try to make something that will get a, that you can get across to other people. I want other people to see the work. I want them to have an experience with it. And I specifically want them to have the experience I want them to have with it. Um, that doesn't always happen. And that's part of the, the risk of ambiguity is that people are going to have a different experience than what you intend. But while I am making something that is for me and that I have to be personally satisfied with, because if I don't, then I really do beat myself up a lot. Um, I also, I also do want to get it across. And so it's both things. I mean, it starts with me. It starts with what do I want to do? What am I passionate about? And then it becomes, okay, now how do I create that in a way that other people will want to take it in? Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's not so much making concessions or compromises. It's just realizing that communication is a two-way street. It's not Mm -hmm. just about like, like the really bad teachers I had in college, they would just spit out the information. Here's all the info. I taught it to you. Good teachers think about the experience that their students are having and how to have it come across. I had one really good math teacher who really thought about things from a beginner's perspective, who would think about how do you how do you teach algebra in a way that somebody who is confused, as soon as you put letters into a math equation, how do you teach math to somebody who's confused when that happens? Yeah. Most math teachers, for them, they're so far removed from, and this is true for anything. I'm just using math teachers as one example. They're so far removed from the experience of learning the math when they first began that the only way they know how to communicate it is in terms of that they understand currently and now. And to them, it's all very simple and very easy. I'm picking on math teachers because this is where I've encountered this problem the most. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so and so they spit it at you like, here you go. This is everything. This is all you need to know. You know, and, and I'm sitting there like, I don't understand that at all. Like you have not explained this in a way that my little pea brain who doesn't who gets really frustrated when you put A's and X's into things. I can't understand what you're talking about. Like, I don't understand how algebra works at all. To this day, I don't. But I did for a little while because I had this really great math teacher who understood how my little pea brain approaches things and how I don't have his base of knowledge. And so he took everything back to one and he explained it from there. And that's the same thing as when when you're creating a story. There's a story that exists in my head and it's very clear to me. How do I get that story across to somebody else who doesn't know all the lore and the backstories and what color shirt my characters wear on Sundays and all these things that I've created in my head that that make all this story make sense? How do I create something 
that they don't need to see inside my head in order to understand it. Yeah. Um, and that's where the not concession, not compromise. That's where the communication happens. Storytelling yeah. is simply the communication of something that's already mostly fully formed in here. Yeah. Um, we, and yeah, and really I see good. a lot of storytellers make that mistake where, the, you know, they'll, I've, I've even attended screenings where afterwards the, the filmmaker got up and explained like everything that was going on in the movie that wasn't in the movie as though we all should have gotten it. And there was no way to get it. It's like, dude, that really only exists in your head. You did not create that movie. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so that's, I think that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Justin? Yeah, I, I believe Jesus meets us where we're at. I believe that he communicates specifically to the individuals. And so when I'm crafting a story or when I'm coming up with, you know, something to share, I, I try to imagine if I was on the receiving end of that, how am I going to receive that? And so my process is, and, and then from the marketing side of things too, I mean, with The Chosen, primarily my focus was how can we expand our outreach? You know, what is something that we can take from behind the scenes and get it out into new uh, audiences and how will they receive this? So I, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it really is for me, I know the way I would react in a situation. I know the way I want a character to react in a situation. But if that isn't going to be received in a, in, in a beneficial way, in an impactful way, then I, I actually will modify my approach just a little bit uh, from the storytelling side. Now that, and that's not to say that I'm compromising big time, you know, because of outside forces or, or what have you. But I think having the audience in mind to some degree is important because otherwise you can run into that, that yeah. screening example that, that Brock said is, no, this is my vision. I'm going to yeah. do it. And if anybody doesn't get it, I'm just going to explain it to them. Right. And, and you, you've got to be open to feedback too. You yeah. have to put your stuff out there for others to offer feedback. And if you're hearing some fairly consistent notes, you have to take those into account. Stubbornness is not going to get you far yeah. in this industry. So, yeah, it's good. There's there is a tension. There's a there's a tension between um, becoming all things to all men and then kind of over strategizing because when people people can sniff out strategy, and so mm -hmm. when you're loving with like this really heavy handed agenda. You know, it can be it can be really off putting. I have this. It was the last episode that we did. It was um, my friend, Dan, who is really passionate about helping people who are experiencing homelessness. And he was talking about in our desire to help, we can skip welcome, you know. And so mm -hmm. what we a lot of our helping is kind of putting helping aside for a moment. Um and so he was talking, he was likening it to um, going to Thanksgiving with his brother and sister. He said, I love my brother and sister. And when I'm going to Thanksgiving with my brother and sister, I'm not strategizing in my head the whole way there. How can I help my brother and my sister? I just delight in my brother and my sister. Now, that probably ends up helping them, you know, and I just thought mm -hmm. that was so crucial that we so often skip the step of welcome or of delight. And Jesus, you know, he can like, show his intimacy, you know, with, with someone by saying their name. So there's kind of an expedited process there, but I think it's our great temptation to, to skip it and just get to the good stuff. And then people are, you know, 
feel manipulated like me all the time and I'm rebellious. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about, um, just really quick because we're about out of time, but I do want to hear what's new and exciting with the shift because there have been so many, um, developments Brock since we talked last, let's talk Mm -hmm. about all the exciting things going on. And then I'd love to hear what you guys are hopeful for and we'll call it an interview. What's up with the shift? Oh gosh, there is so much happening with the shift. Um, so earlier this year, we brought on Ken Carpenter as a, as a producer, and um, and then it was shortly after that 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 Justin also came on as a, as a co-producer. And so we've really built up our behind the scenes team. We've also brought on Beverly Holloway, who's the casting director for The Chosen. She's our casting director as well. Um, and and the big news in the last month is that we've cast a number of roles. We are headed right into a January 2023 production start date. And so casting is happening now. We've brought on Liz Tabish, who plays Mary Magdalene in The Chosen. She's going to be playing our female lead, Molly. Um, we've also brought on Jorge Garcia from Lost. He'll be playing a character called Ramirez. Um, I'm trying to, I'm going to remember them all. We brought on Rose Reed from Finding You. She's going to play Tina, the waitress from our short film. Um, and we brought on Paris Patel, who plays Matthew in The Chosen. He'll be playing Rajit. We brought on Jordan Alexandra, uh, as, as Priya. He'll be playing, she is, uh, um, the wife of Rajit. And uh, we brought on Jordan Walker Ross as Brendan, who's who's kind of the jerk boss, which is really funny because Brendan's like, or, or Jordan Walker Ross is like one of the nicest people on the uh, planet. Um, he'll be playing a total jerk in our movie. But um, and that's and that's we're just getting started. Like we have more actors that we're talking to right now, and uh, and and many more roles to cast as as we go forward. And then of course all of this is happening um, during our fourth. Um, and I do believe most sincerely, uh, I can't see it happening again, our final, um, crowdfunding yes. raise, um, which is the listen last up, opportunity, listen up, listen I believe up. for people to come in and, and partner with us and invest in the shift. And you can find out all those details and, and see what's going on with that and how to do that at angel.com slash the shift. But, um, that, uh, you know, it's, it's a limited time thing. And once it's over, it's over. And, correct um, me if we, I'm wrong or mm-hmm. if I overspeak, but this is how The Chosen was born too, correct? Correct. Yes. Kay. We are where The Chosen was at once upon a time. And just like The Chosen, um, in just a few months time, we'll have a lot of people asking us, um, begging us to uh, to open up investment again. And That's we will right. say, I'm sorry, the opportunity is, is has has passed. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it is very much like how the chosen started, which of course, Justin is very familiar with, cause he was there from the very beginning. Um, so he's a great asset to have with us on, on the shift, but we believe in the shift's potential to reach a very big audience and a different audience, even than what the chosen has reached. You know, this is a theatrical film. This is going to go wide into many, many, um, uh, theaters across the country and across the world. That's, that's what's happening with the shift. It's the first feature film from Angel Studios, which means they're putting all their muscle behind it. And it's their muscle that, that really, um, helped make the chosen into what it is today. So this is a film that has every advantage, um, which to me, as someone who, you know, is is um newer to the film industry um feels very much like a miracle there's absolutely yeah. no reason that this film should be made at all like it's a it's a it's it's just i'm nobody but i've surrounded myself with a lot of somebodies yeah. who believe in me and believe in this project for reasons that i will be eternally grateful for <laughs> so i feel I, i'm very blessed to be in this position but i think it's because this is an important story we're telling this is a very different kind of story this is also a 
you know, it's it's got some faith elements, but it's also a sci-fi story, which is really weird and really scary to a lot of people, but um, is also really, really exciting. And, yeah. and, it, and it portends a, 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 a big new audience that we yeah. haven't really reached before. Um, and that is what is exciting to everybody who is, who is aligned with us and who is partnering with us through investment. Yeah. Anything additionally, Justin, that you're excited about? Well, no, just to, to elaborate just a little bit on the sci-fi element to one of the criticisms we have received is you can't fictionalize God. And we're not. That, that We have to make that perfectly clear. Nothing about scripture is being fictionalized here. We Brock has simply created a, a tremendously gorgeous and, and, and deep universe. Multiverse. Can I say multiverse, Brock? Is that yes, you can. too much? No, not at all. <laughs> In which we don't fictionalize God, but we have some faith elements that are true to scripture. Um, but there is, there's no scriptural, to my knowledge, there's no scriptural references in the feature. Is there? Um, nothing direct. No, no, yeah. there's, yeah. yeah. No, we don't. We're, nobody oh, anyway. cracks open a Bible and starts reading it. Yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I just wanted listeners to, to just be rest assured that that this, we're we're not personifying God, or and, and we're not you know putting this this fictional, um, you know, faith element in there. This is a fictional world with faith elements in it, and people like C.S. Lewis did that wonderfully. I was just going to say, I I'm, I'm difference. annoyed. I'm annoyed already because I would be fine if you were. And I think a parable is fictionizing God anyway. Okay. Yeah. So I would love to end with what you guys are, are hopeful for. And then we're going to like for real end with exactly where to find you and where to go to help. And I dropped an earbud. So just a moment. Y'all can talk. What are you hopeful for Brock? Uh, I, gosh, what am I hopeful for? I'm hopeful for a lot of things. I think the thing that I think about the most right now is that I'm hopeful that um, this division that we have in our world, maybe particularly in our country right now, that it can uh, that it can heal a bit, that we can start coming together a little bit more. That's something that's on my mind a lot. Um, I, I try to be more of a bridge builder than a divider. I try to be not very political um, for that reason. I just think we have wrapped so much of our identities up in things that um, that that divide us. And I firmly believe, and I will always believe, that across the human spectrum, we all have far more things in common than we than we don't. And yet, too often, we're pointing at those differences and saying that's who we are. And the fact of the matter is, is those are the exceptions to the rule, which is that we are all children of God. And I would love to see, I'm hopeful that that we can get back to a place like that and maybe get back to a place like that is wrong. Maybe it's a misperception that we were ever there in the first place. Yeah. So I'll just say instead that I'm hopeful that we can get to that place where we can start seeing the commonalities more than we see the differences in the yeah. eyes of the people that we um, meet or, or, or encounter online mm-hmm. or, uh, or, you know, a- anywhere else. What do you hope yeah, for, and that's, Well, that's precisely, I think, why Brock and I uh, get along so well and then why we hit it off immediately when we first met on the set of The Chosen, ironically. 
And I'll just add to to Brock's sentiments, which I agree with 100%. I, I want to build bridges and uh, get back to what unites us rather than focusing on what divides us. And and let's stop assigning motives. Let's let's not assume that somebody said something because they wanted X. We don't know that. We don't know what motivated a particular phrase to be spoken, a particular act to be acted upon. So let's start giving people the benefit of the doubt and let's engage in conversation rather than immediately starting to lecture. Lecturing is not how you change somebody's mind. Conversing, if you want to change somebody's mind, and there are minds out there that do need to be changed. We can't gloss over that fact. But lecturing them and and belittling them is not the way to do it. Listening actually has a whole lot more benefit than lecturing. And I love to listen to people. I love... Uh, I, I did a, a Instagram uh, reel not too long ago talking about perspective and I'm doing home renovation. So I actually had a new door that I had to install. I had it laying down on its side and I was laying down on its side, but it looked like I was standing up. Oh, I yeah. said, are you sure your perspective is always accurate? Yeah. And I moved my phone and there you saw me laying on the floor and the door behind it. And, and I did nice. have a few people say, Hey, if you're if you're right, you can't change your perspective. You can't bend your perspective. If you, the truth is more important than perspective, perspective has nothing to do with truth. Perspective is recognizing why somebody somebody believes their yeah. particular truth, and starting to unpack that a little bit, meeting them where they're at, having those conversations, Good. and then, you know, it might take six, seven, eight years before you're able to actually have a faith centric conversation with them. Yeah. Be willing to take the time, man. Just be willing to take yeah. the time. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Thank you all both so much. Okay, where do we follow and and what do we do? Yeah, so we're at um oh just help me with the with the social handles. I can never remember them exactly because <laughs> they're confusing. Well the e- the easiest thing is angel.com slash the shift. You can go yes. learn more about us there. You can even invest in the project. Allison, I don't know when this episode drops. We have a finite amount of time. Yes. Mid-October investment it's... round is closing. So we're at the very end here. Um, angel.com slash the shift. And this this isn't a pitch. This is simply saying if you want more truth-affirming, light-bringing content in this world that that dares to go to a dark place to show the light. You, you know, without night, we don't know what day is. Day Amen. does not exist without the contrast of, of night. So uh, good does not exist without the contrast of evil. So so the, the shift does a wonderful job of, of showing, uh, you know, the lightness, the, the light and the dark. So in uh, angel.com slash the shift is where you go to learn more, uh, possibly yes. become an investor and, and being uh, you know on the team with us as, as a financial supporter. Um, and do that quickly. Do it quickly. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of time um, remaining on that. And one of the biggest questions I got, one of the most common questions I got when I was still with The Chosen, and, and by the way, I'm still dear friends with all of them there. It was just time for me to move on and, and explore some other projects. I'm still a huge fan. I'm so excited about season three because I'm going to be going in knowing nothing. Well, <laughs> a little bit. I still have insider you know, <laughs> channels, but but I don't know very much. So I'm excited about season three. Anyway, um, one of the most common questions I got was, how do I invest in The Chosen? And, and it just simply didn't exist anymore. This is your last chance. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say it. It is your last chance to invest in The Shift. Uh, angel.com slash The Shift. And social media 
uh, you know, we're at the shift film on Instagram mm-hmm. and on Facebook, we are at shifty film. Um, but if you search for the shift film on your Google, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll come up. Um, the great sage Google. Yes. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. I couldn't appreciate you both more, really. Um, I feel like Hollywood is out there trying to create masterpieces and Christians are out there trying to, you know, create goodness. And the shift film says, let's do both. (laughs) Those things do not need to be in opposition. Those things do not need to be in opposition um, of each other. So thank you, Brock. Thank you, Justin, for following your callings and believing in what it is that God has given you to tell the story to tell. We're so, so grateful. I know that you've taken many risks and um, made sacrifices. It's costly and it's worth it. And we're really grateful. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate you. There you have it, friends. I hope that you're excited about this. I really do believe that art and beauty can sometimes cross lines and allure and bring us together in ways that doctrine and dogma can't. I hope that you feel inspired to take a moment. Go visit angelstudios.com slash the shift. Uh, God doesn't want to change the world without us. What a gift it is to co-labor. We are so, so, so excited about season nine. It's shaping up to be really, really awesome. Please go ahead and hit subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. See you next season. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.